0: Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Proverbs 30 chapter 7 through 9 says this. It says there are extremes of wealth and extremes of poverty or poverty that provide unique temptations to those who live in them. And I'm going to read it again. There are extremes of wealth and poverty that provide unique temptations to those who live in them. That's Proverbs 30 chapter 7 through 9. I want to welcome you this morning to Blueprint Church. I want to teach your pastors here. My name is Lucius Rouser the I'm excited to be here with you in the presence of God, to hear with you from the Almighty God. Amen. And I'm believing with you by faith that comes by the Holy Spirit that God's Word this morning is going to speak to us all, including me. Amen. We'll be in Luke chapter 16 this morning, verses 1 through 13. If you have it, stand with me so we can read all of God's mighty, powerful, quick, and living and believing truth, never failing word. Amen. Amen. Again, Luke chapter 16, verses 1 through 13. I encourage you again to embrace God's word with faith. So when you read this word, read it not like you're reading just a novel that you got off the shelf at. Barnes and novels, but you're reading a word inspired by the living, mighty Yahweh. Amen. It says this. Now he said to the disciples, talking about Jesus, Yahshua. Now Yahshua, Jesus said to the disciples, there was a rich man who received an accusation that his manager was squandering his possessions. So he called the manager in and asked, what is this I hear about you, given account of your management, because you can no longer be my manager? Then the manager said to himself, not to the man to himself, what will I do since my master has taken the management away from me? I'm not strong enough to dig. I'm ashamed to beg. I know what I'll do so, so, then, so that when I'm removed from this management or when I'm fired, people will welcome me into their homes. So he summoned each of his master's debtors. How much do you owe my master? He asked one. And they said well I owe him a hundred measures of olive oil so he said well take this invoice quickly sit down and write 50 instead of a hundred then he go to another one he said he said how much do you owe he said I owe a hundred measures of wheat." And he said well take this invoice quickly write 80 and clear out your debt and then the master praised the righteous manager not for his faithfulness but because he had acted shrewdly or wisely for the children of this age Jesus is saying this about the children of this age he said for the children of this age and the children of this world are more shrewd or more wise than the children of light the church folks us in dealing with their own people meaning they're more wise when it comes to using wealth to build relationships for the benefit of others he said the world is more wise at this than we are he said and I tell you Jesus said Make friends for yourselves by means of worldly wealth so that when it fails, he didn't say if it, he said when it fails, because it will, they may welcome you into eternal dwellings. Whoever is faithful in li- very little is also faithful in much, and whoever is unrighteous in very little is unrighteous in much, talk about their heart. So if you have not been faithful with worldly wealth, who will trust you with what is genuine or what is divine or what is, when he talk about genuine, he talk about what is divine. What is better? Which is anything that's connected to him and his kingdom? Whoever is, he said, whoever, and if you have been not been faithful with the worldly wealth, who will trust you with what is genuine? Then he said, and if you have not been faithful with what belongs to someone else, who will give you your own stuff? And he ends with this. No servant, take this in, no servant can serve to master. Take that in. This is your Savior, your Lord, saying this. Knowing that one day you will read this. He said, no servant can serve two masters, since either he will hate one or love less and love the other one more, or he will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God. And some of y'all translations may say mammon or money. This morning we're going to talk about good stewardness, good stewardship. And I'm thinking this in my mind. I want this reflecting your heart. Stewarding wealth wisely to produce worshipers. How can we steward wealth wisely to produce worshipers? Not just in us, but in our neighbors. Let's pray. Father God, may your will be done. It's not about how much and how long I pray, but it's about you. I thank you for the prayers. I agree with my sister this morning. Amen to everything she prayed for. May it take place this morning in the name of Yahshua, Father. We want your will to be done, not just having another dope streaming video to put on YouTube, but that every life, every heart, every mind, every child, every adult, in Hello hell or world and up here be impacted by your presence. In your son's name, Yeshua, we pray, amen. You can be seated. So just a quick recap of verses 1 through 8. So you have this boss. He has a manager. Someone snitches on the manager. That's what we would say. And he tells the manager, yo, he's not handling your stuff good. He's not handling your, pro- your possessions good at all. He's doing terrible with it. So he calls this manager in. They say, y'all heard that you have not been been like stewarding what I've given you. You You've not been a good manager. Like give an account for what you've done. I've given you something to manage. It's not yours, but I gave it to you to manage and steward, but you have not done what I've asked you to do with it. And then the manager thinks to himself, okay, my God, I got to think, he's, he's going to fire me, he's, he's, he's about to fire me, what can I do? Because I, I can't beg, I'm too ashamed to beg, I'm too proud to beg, I uh, ain't done my swag, I don't beg. He said, but I'm not, I'm not I don't have the hands to dig, I'm not, I can't do work, that's not me, what I need to do? I know what I'm going to do. So he leaves the presence of his, of, his, of his boss and he goes to those who owed, the debtors who owed his boss, and he goes to him and says, hey, listen, listen, hey, how much do you owe? He said, I owe 100 in X, Y, and Z. He said, okay, just, you just give. You give about 50. How much you owe? Okay, you give about 80. So what he was doing, he said, what I'm going to do is that, man, by with this wealth and with this position I have, because wealth is more than money, it's about, your, it's about uh, money, it's about your possessions, it's about your property, it's about your power, and it's about your privilege. So he's using the wealth that he, that's been steward to him or loaned to him to make sure that when he gets fired, he would be in a place where he's benefited. And he'd be secure. So he's being wise. So what he's doing is he'd build relationships. Yeah, I know he said you owe 100, but man, I'm gonna hook you up, man. Just give me 80. Y'all ever did that before? Like, man, I know they said it, but just give me, give me about $20. You good, you good, right? Because he's seeking to build relationship. And then, G, then the manager, I mean, the boss looks at the manager and he doesn't like that he's unfaithful, but he likes how wise and shrewd he is. It's not just about being wise, he was also strategic. He's like, I dig that about you. I'm going to still let you go. But I I see what you did. I, I dig that. And then Jesus says this. He said, the children of the world are more wise and more strategic. Are using wealth or stewarding wealth to build relationships for the benefit of others. And the lesson is found in that. That is the lesson. It's very simple. That's why I love it. it didn't take me long to to teach and dive dive into the scripture. The lesson was right before us. The lesson of this whole scripture is, for the children of the age are more shrewd than the children of light in dealing with other people, knowing that they know how to use wealth to build relationships for the betterment of themselves and others. I'm going to deal with two things this morning. One, we're going to look after the external expression of good stewardship, and then we're going to look at the eternal expression of good stewardship. Starting with verse 9 that says this, he said, and I tell you, make friends, meaning make trusted confidants, make not don't just make associates, but make people, friends through like a long period of time. If you study the Greek word, he's talking about friendship that you made through ups and downs. He's not talking about, yeah, build associates. Like I'm just going to talk to him for a moment so I get it he wants. He said, no, build friends. Do ups and downs. Spend time with people, with your neighbors. Build friends for yourselves by means of worldly or earthly wealth so that when it fails or when it runs out or when the world comes to an end and the only thing you have left is you and your friends or your relationship with God and with others, they may welcome you into eternal dwellings. And what he's saying is that he's, 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 they probably didn't get it. Some of them probably did. But we get it. What he's pointing to is the fact of, man, build relationships for the sake of, man, as you engage them, with the gospel intentionally, one day you may see them in heaven if they die before you, and they'll welcome you into the eternal dwellings of God. So with everything, everything in Scripture, there's always some underlying principles, and that's what we're seeking when we pray when we look at Scripture. And the underlying principle is this. Our wealth, everything we have, our money, our, our, our property, our possessions, our um. Our, um Whatever, um, I'm trying to think, um, man, everything we have, our property, our um, our, 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 our privilege, all this, our power. There you go, Holy Spirit. Why you let me stutter so long, Holy Spirit? You want to show my brokenness? What's going on? But everything we have, believers, is to fund the ministry of reconciliation with the message of reconciliation that has been entrusted to us. Through Jesus Christ, through the apostles, through disciples, to the disciples, which is us. Some things I want us to think about, we're stewards and not owners of our wealth. We don't dictate what to do with it. We're in a position of managers when we come to everything we have. Everything you have, your children, is part of your wealth. Why? Because after you disciple them up, you send them out to the world for the sake of the gospel. Everything we have is not ours. That's so why I read first, uh, 2 Corinthians 5, for let you know, like, man, like, he died so that we won't live for ourselves no more. Now, there's two things in there. It's talking about, one, it's a deeper revelation in there. He's talking about, man, so you won't live for yourself no more, meaning that you won't be your own source of life. Meaning that you don't have to, man, uh, have works that produce life in your, uh, in your life because think about it, without Jesus, you're dead. So he's saying that, man, you, like, you don't have to live for yourself or do works to obtain life for yourself. You'll find it in Jesus, but also that you don't live for yourself either. out appreciation of Jesus. That everything you have and everything we have is for His glory. Also, stewarding our wealth with eternity is, 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 is our goal. Everything we do should be with the end in mind, should be with eternity in mind. I heard a preacher say, he said, we know this world is so broken and so jacked up and it's going to end one day. Why do we invest so much in it? When there's an eternal world we can invest in and we'll last forever. Also, this the gospel changes people and people change the world. So we store wealth to see that happen. That's our philosophy here, at Blueprint Church. Amen. We we believe the gospel changes people, people change the world. So why not take our wealth to you so we can make sure the gospel gets out so it can happen, amen? amen? Everything we have is an aid of gospel transformation in our neighbors. That's why I say stewarding our wealth wisely will produce worshippers. Even if you're struggling with your wealth and, and giving all your wealth to God, I promise you, if you keep trying and keep pushing and keep asking God by his grace and spirit to help you be one who, who give up all your wealth for the sake of his gospel, and for the sake of kingdom investment, advancement, it will make you more of a deep worshiper for the Lord. But it will also, as people watch on, it also make it outside of you, in your neighbors as they watch your life. See, Jesus was encouraging the disciples to wisely use their allotted earthly wealth to build a relationship and friendship with gospel intentionality so that when their wealth runs out on earth or when they transition into the bosom of Yah, they will see their friends in heaven. Think about that. Every time you pull out a dollar, get ready to swipe. How can I use this at some point to see my neighbor come to know Jesus? Earthly wealth can be money, possession, property, privilege, and power. But how can we steward our allotted allotted wealth to build relationships for the sake of discipleship? The key word is allotted, given, loaned. Because again, we're stewards, not owners of what we have. Four external expressions of healthy stewardship. Four external expressions of healthy stewardship we'll see here. One, what are some ways? Fellowship around food. What are some external expressions of good stewardship? That you engage your, your neighbors around food for the sake of seeing them come to know Jesus. You spend your wealth, your time, and your treasure to have dinners, to have lunch, to just grab a bite, whether it's a smoothie or whatever, because you want to see them at one point in time come to know Jesus. Another way, too. You serve their tangible needs. Use our wealth to meet tangible needs like food or bills or clothes. Needed counseling for mental trauma or emotional healthiness. Wherever you see the needs of your neighbor is, you use your wealth. Whatever you have that God has allotted to you to help them and aid them with the hope of them seeing that all this came from Jesus in the first place. And I know you heard me mention like counseling for mental trauma and all those. We don't think about how much people in, this, in the inner city and even outside, especially through COVID, is dealing with a lot of mental trauma. I can't imagine. Man, I remember how, my, how high my anxiety was. I would say at least the first year of COVID when it hit. Couldn't sleep. I already battled with PTSD. But just, man, it went. my four hours a night went to two. Every time I went outside, I, I felt like the, like, the, like the air was different. Even though it was in my mind, I felt like the very air that guy gave was different. I was afraid to go outside. It was, anxiety was heavy. And I talked to a lot of people who have been dealing with like mental trauma. How can we serve people with mental trauma? Say, well, you know what? I want to pay for one of your first, your, your, your first visits. I want to pay for that. Or your marital trauma. I see your marriage going through something. How can I, how can I pay for that? That's kingdom work. Yeah, we can get food, yeah, we can pay bills, yeah, we get clothes also. But imagine if somebody see you invest real good money and seeing them come to holistic health. Also, so one, fellowship around food. Two, serve tangible needs. Three, be responsible. Use our property or properties to house the hurt, the homeless, the overlook with intentions of producing holistic health in them. One thing that encouraged me about our brother Domingo at Stone Mountain Campus, that brother, do not hesitate about taking people into his home that are homeless and lost. Or put money towards putting them up in a hotel or extended stay to make sure they're taken care of. Yeah. That's him using what God's given him, the wealth that God's given him, the little bit of what he out here. To, he's like, I don't, we don't, I don't have it like that. But whatever I have, I want to see this person see that God is good and that Jesus loves them. And I want to see them transformed by the gospel, so he takes responsibility. We talk about being responsible siblings here. But also we should be responsible neighbors. Take a responsibility for the neighbors next door to us as well. How can I serve them in a way that shows healthy stewardship? And the fourth, represent our kingdom. Use your privilege and power to restore integrity, rebuild communities and reform laws for the sake of the kingdom of God. One way to represent the kingdom, people of God, is that we go into neighborhoods seeing how can we change the school systems? How can we bring money to school systems to make sure certain schools have what they need? How can we come in and come alongside the police officers, or I don't want to say against, but alongside the police officers, and possibly against if need to, for the sake of making sure the community is well? How can we leverage our privilege and power to make sure someone that don't look like us are not feeling afraid and fearful and overlooked? How can we use our privilege and power to walk as the kingdom of God in our communities? Also, how can we use proximity to other local churches and our communities to co-labor with them for the sake of the gospel and the sake of the kingdom? We will talk about that enough. How can, we, how can we look and say, well, other churches in the neighborhood that's seeking to share the gospel and they're doing it in the right way, their gospel is pure, it's clean, how can we come alongside of other local churches to make sure we engage this community together? City groups. We talk about it now in our Marietta City group. How can we, even if people are not part of Blueprint, still say, hey, you can still be part of our city group. It don't matter. You, you like, like, come in. Like, I don't care if you go to Leroy Baptist or Sister Shatasha's uh, Pentecostal church. It don't matter. We're all here for the glory of God. Let's, 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 you can come to this. Let's fellowship. Let's grow in God's word together for the sake of what? Of the gospel spreading and the kingdom being advanced. That's kingdom work. Sometimes we're caught in just local ecclesia work, but that's kingdom work. Local, and then we could take it abroad. But also, how can we use our finances and resources to support other ministries, other church plants, other movements, other nonprofits? I was looking at Jude 3 Project, and I love the, the, uh, the, the content they put out. And I was like, man, I'm going I'm to find a way to support them. I'm going I'm to support them. Because why? Because they're aiding the gospel getting out. They ain't in the kingdom of Jindal of Yah. So how can I use what I have, my wealth, to represent the kingdom in that way? So four external expressions of healthy stewardship. One, fellowship with your neighbors around food. Two, serve tangible tangible needs of your neighbors. Be responsible for your neighbors, but also represent our kingdom in the midst of your neighbors. See, indigenous disciple-makers must also be generous stewards in the ministry of reconciliation. They're not separate, they're together. If you seek to be an indigenous disciple maker, then you must be a generous steward. Because the generous stewardness of your life will aid the indigenous disciple maker. You can't say, hey, I'm going to make disciples, but I'm going to be stingy with my wealth that God has given me. The aid's in it. It go hand in hand. Which brings us over to three eternal expressions of healthy uh, stewardship. See, Jesus wasn't just targeting just the the actions of their hands. He was targeting the movement of their heart because he always knew that scribes and Pharisees were very powerful but very selfish. And these were people who represented Yahweh in the community. And what he was showing with the story was like, listen, yes, man, I honor, yes, I honor the fact that, man, this this manager was shrewd. That's dope. Y'all need to do that as well. But it's also something that I don't want y'all to follow, which you start diving into. I don't want y'all to follow his unfaithfulness. Because the heart of a manager didn't care less about the person who allotted his, uh, the, the, the wealth that he had to him. And God wanted to show us that. Like, always keep in mind and be considerate who gave you everything that you have. You wouldn't have the job you had throughout COVID if it wasn't for God sustaining it and making sure things didn't shift and move. You wouldn't have got a job in the midst of COVID after if it wasn't for God shifting and moving things. You wouldn't have your children if not for God. Your wife wouldn't have stayed with you if it wasn't for God. Your husband wouldn't tolerate you if it wasn't for God. You wouldn't have the finances, the property, the land, everything you have if it wasn't for God. He's giving you things for, for, to loan to you so you can give back to him and say, out of appreciation, God, I'll give it back to you. That's what tithes and offering is about. God doesn't care if you come in here and you get 10%, and then you get 1% to your homeless neighbor that walks past you every day. God don't care if you come and say, yeah, yeah, every Sunday I drop about, a, I drop about, I drop about two bills in the, in, the, in the plate every Sunday. But then when you go out there, you're no time. To the widow who's struggling with her son, and he bad as ever. <laughs> you ever seen that single mother? Lord, just give me a moment, sister. Just let me be his daddy. Just, just one minute. <laughs> and that's why. And that's how. See, that's how that myth went out when people start talking about the word religion being bad. Religion is just ceremonial observance of something. But Jesus make it clear in there, he said, man, he said, undefiled religion is when you're serving the widows and the orphans. So what he's saying is that religion, true pure religion that I, I tip my hat to, that I say praise God to, is a religion that has an outward focus. That's always caring about others. How can I use my wealth to, to give to this person? How can I do that? I got my, my, my God daughter with us. And, and I was like, hey, like, you don't have to worry about bills. You don't have to worry, about, let's get you on your feet. Stack that, stack that money up. Every time I drop off at of a job, I say, make that money. Don't let that money make you, girl. She's like, I got you popping out. So she going up. But I tell her, every time she think low, I said, no, think bigger. Yeah, I just wanted one, baby. I said, no, you got two girls. Look for two. And if we got to help you, let's make it happen. But God wants you to be the best you, sister. It's not about me checking the list and said I did something dope because then I'm going to do mediocre. But if I'm doing it on behalf of the one who gave me everything, then I'm giving everything to that person to make sure they're ministered to. Three eternal, internal expressions of healthy stewardship. We get into the heart. It's found in verse 10. Three internal expressions of healthy stewardship. One, be faithful with your allotment. Your allotment. He says is whoever is faithful in very little is also faithful in much. Faithful, consistent, devoted, not to do like the manager did, do what you got to do for yourself, but devoted to the one above and devoted to your neighbor to see them receive the benefits that they need, whoever is faithful in the little. The little stuff that you got, are you content with the little God got you right now having your life? Some of you might think being single is little. Are you content and faithful to it though, to serve him and serve your neighbors? Some of y'all want y'all bank account bigger, but are you faithful with the little bit that you have? And whoever is unrighteous and very little is also unrighteous and much. Oh, he digging deep. He said, if you if you if you get if you get if you got little and you unrighteous, you complaining. You don't care. You selfish. You proffer with it. You don't care nothing about the kingdom of God and the agenda and the of the, the spread of the gospel. Everything you do is all about you. Because God is the only one who's righteous. So sometimes we are righteous. We fall short of his glory, but thank God for grace and mercy. He said, but if you're unrighteous with little, you're going to be the same with much. He's talking about your heart. If you're selfish with the little, you're going to be selfish with much. So why would I give you much? He said, so if you have not been faithful with worldly wealth, who would trust you with what is genuine or true? wealth that is spiritual. Now God even saying this, if... If you got worldly wealth and you don't care about and I'm going straight to the meat of it you don't care about worshiping me with it then why would I give you divine things like you represent me on the earth you reflect my image you represent my kingdom rules supposedly but everything you do is centered around you so why do I want a selfish worshiper on earth to be a selfish worshiper in heaven. He had that already. You know what happened to him? He got cast out. Let's keep going, amen. He said, if you are dependable in small things, you can be dependable in great, and if you are trustworthy in earthly blessings, then you will not be, then you will be also trustworthy in big blessings. Think about this. Have you not seen when you've been giving to people and loving on people that God just restore? You've given up things, like this my last, but it ain't gotta be money. It can be closed. This time I've been in here and my wife was mad at me when I did it at first. She had bought me a birthday coat. She had bought me a coat. I was like, oh, this mug fly. So I came to church and I saw a homeless man who was wet that day right there in the front. And I was like, I took it off. I was like, man, he's wet. He's going to be cold. I took it off and gave it to him. My wife was like, why you do that? I just bought that for you. Oh my God. Then she's like, oh, but Jesus, I'm sorry. <laughs> but you know what? After then, like, I always get people bless me. I remember Chris Dunn came me one time with a on my brand new coat. Like, yo, I got this coat, man. I was like, oh, that mug. Anything from Chris, I want. I'm waiting for him to say, I got these shoes, but amen. We start with the coat. I'm trying to be faithful to few with Chris. Maybe he'll give me more. Amen. But but I've seen in my life, I have very little. Like, me and my wife, and my children always had enough just to get by. Just to get by. Sorry. But uh, thank you, Chris. You you with me. But, um, yeah, we always had just them, but we never stopped opening our doors. We never stopped giving. And it wasn't because we wanted him to give to us, because we knew even the very little that we had was God's. I'm sure some of y'all can look back at your life like, man, I remember I did this. And then I looked up like, thank you, God. Like, I didn't expect that money to come. Oh, I didn't expect this to happen. God is awesome, ain't he? He calls us to be trustworthy. But How? Like, what are some tangible ways we can eternally be faithful by this? Embrace the truth daily that everything we have is His. I'm telling you, I've been giving you all very simple things, but if you just do them, they will work. If daily you just remind yourself, everything I have is His. Embrace that truth. Two, when budgeting and planning with your wealth, ask yourself, how can I use my wealth to make disciples, spread the gospel, and advance the kingdom? When you're budgeting and planning to do with your money for the top of the year, we ain't getting stimulus no more, so that's out the picture. But think about taxes, you know how we like, man, this tax, I'm paying off that, I'm paying off that, I'm paying off that, you know, whenever you know, a good sum of money. Or even when you're just budgeting your check, are you asking yourself, okay, yeah, I gotta pay bills, but what am I putting towards? And I'm not just talking about tithes and offering, I'm talking about on behalf of your community, coming to know Jesus. It could be simple as, man, I'm gonna buy 20 of those, um, those uh, three circles of life cards that preach about the gospel, and then I'm going to give them to my children, we're going to give them out because I want to see people come know Jesus. Oh, I saw the lady over there. She looked like her child, had an older coat on. I'm going to buy that child a coat for the sake of opening the door so I could be a relationship with her so one day she could see Jesus in me and come to know him. How are we budgeting and planning our wealth for the sake of making disciples, spreading the gospel, and advancing the kingdom? Two, One, be faithful with your allotment, be faithful with others' allotment. He said in verse 12, if you have not been faithful with what belongs to someone else, who will give you what is on your own? Who will give you what's yours? And what he's saying, that underlying principle, what he's saying is what Paul said before, we do all things for the glory of God. When you're at your jobs, it's not about you. It's about you because you benefit from the finances, but you're there also. So you engage, engage your co-workers with the gospel at some point in time to see them be ones who welcome you into eternal dwellings. How can you use your jobs, your community service, your service in the community for the sake of, man, with faithfulness in your heart, thinking about God while you do your position in church? Are you looking at everything you do as being a possible resume for you and God to the world? Can people look at your works and see, man, see God's character? I remember when I had to do community service, not because I did anything wrong recently. Hey, amen. It's been years. I ain't did nothing since I've been saved. Y'all, I haven't. Amen. But you know how sometimes your know, insurance goes through that one gap thing and then you get pulled over right in the midst of that gap. And you're like, I'm telling you, I had insurance and I paid for it. I don't know why it's not coming up, police officer. He's like, well, you figure it out in court. I'm like, okay, amen. So I got the court, and you know, they, man, court make a lot of money, boy. So they like, man, it's like a $5,000 fine. I'm like, oh, it wasn't that much, but it was a lot. So I think it was like 300 or something like that. But then they asked you, or you could just work it out in community service. So I could be cheap. I'm trying to budget well, amen. <laughs> My wife was like, just pay the three. I was like, no, nah, nah. I'll do community service. I'm cool with it. I better be found. It. It's, it's nothing. They put me at community service at the jail, like at the, at the, at the jail in Snellville, right? So I'm there with all the police officers, even the one that pulled me over. So that was hard at first. You know what I mean? I was like, oh, I'm... But I had to clean the bathrooms of all the police officers and the holding cell and the courtroom. So I remember the first day I went in there, I looked at that toilet, stood back. I thought about paying the $300 for a brief moment. <laughs> I said, like, I just dropped $300. I could be out of this mug. But I promise you, I started like... I'm going to use the opportunity to bring you glory, God. I really am. And I had like almost 200 like hours of community service. I cleaned them toilets. I put the glass, and I cleaned them toilets singing, enjoying God. I cleaned them like they were my own house. And I did it every day, every day. Clean up so much that all the police officers, all the women in there was like, yo, we've never had nobody have our bathrooms this clean. So that I feel kind of proud i was like, you know, because I'm a cleaner. You know, this is what I do. But I do, I love to clean. I, I hate being outside. I don't like mowing the lawn, even though I do it. But, you know, my wife loves it. I like, yo, know, I clean the house full of clothes. I do that all day, wash dishes. I love that. I just don't like being outside fighting bugs and bees and stuff. I just, I think Jesus redeemed me from being outside, amen. That's what I feel. That's not my position, amen. But um, so, so I did everything in that courthouse for the glory of God. And they began to ask why are you clean like this? You don't have to. And I said, I do it for God. I want y'all to let y'all know that everything I do is for, for Jesus to make him look beautiful. And there was one cop in that room, one cop that was there, and I should have noticed because he, he was very charismatic. He had like angels on his wall with warriors, like swords in his hand. I was like, well, maybe he's just like, you know, anime characters or something. I don't know. But he came out one day. And he was like, salute, man, to God. It's like, you a believe it. like, yeah, man. He's like, man, praise God. And do you know I was only there for a week and literally, no, maybe two weeks, two weeks. And then they wrote off. I had still a lot, maybe like 150 left, and they just wrote off, said you don't have to come back no more. They was like, because everything you did was so immaculate. We was like, man, your heart for making sure stuff was clean for us. Some of the police officers say, I have never sat on the toilet. You made it while I could sit on the toilet. Like, amen. If I can make what you can sit on the toilet, <laughs> mission accomplished, right? I said maybe on the toilet you could talk to Jesus, but like I do. But amen. But they they cleared it all. And they was like, man, like, we would never get nobody like you here. And to this day, when I drive past, man, even if I speed accidentally, and I rode the police officer look at me be like, oh, that's the that's toilet dude. I mean, that's a different name to have. <laughs> but I take it for Jesus. I become all things, like Paul said. But what I thought about is, like, this is not mine. This is somebody else's job, because they still had a maintenance guy. I said, but at the end of the day, God, I do everything for you. And I want you to look good. I want you to look mighty. Because he says this in Matthew chapter 5, he said, In the same way, let your light shine before others. What? So they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. The underlying principle is this. What you do reflects your capabilities and his character. Hallelujah. So one, three internal expressions of healthy stewardship. One, be faithful with your allotment. Two, be faithful with others' allotment. And the last one, be faithful to God. Be faithful to Yahweh. He says in 13: no servant can serve two masters, says either he will hate the one and love the other, and he will be devoted or faithful to one and despise the other, or be unfaithful to the other. You cannot serve both God and money. We have, we are, and we will be faced throughout our lives with the choice to either serve money, wealth, or serve God. Remember what I said in Proverbs 30: that there are extremes of wealth. that that there are extremes of wealth and poverty that provide unique temptations to those who live in them. So with our wealth, our money, our possessions, our property, our power, our privilege, we have to tempt them and use them and and attempt to handle them in a way that brings glory to God to show him that we're not trying to be owners of what he has, but we're trying to be good stewards of what he's given us. And this is an extreme wrestle that we deal with every time we spend our money what i'm going to do with it is going to be for me or for god but the battle is really is who or what do i desire more is it the wealth or is it god is it provision or the provider is it healing or the healer do you want comfort or do you want the comforter do you want life or do you want the life giver do you want fame, or do you want the glorious one to shine? Do you just seek salvation, or do you want the savior? Do you want heaven, or do you want God of heaven? Do you just want treasures, or do you want the great treasure treasurer? Which one do you want? See, money, wealth, possessions, fame, status, likes on Facebook or likes on Instagram can often take the throne of our hearts and become uh, to, a, to a point where they become our king. And it becomes on our throne and we find ourselves walking in idolatry but God's grace and mercy is ever with us amen and when we're walking in idolatry the decisions we make with the wealth allotted to us usually don't go towards others it's always pointed inward and we find ourselves succumbing to the temptations like you talk about of poverty because some of us I grew up poor so sometimes money is much more attractive to me. Like I, I never had it. So I try to, so I battle with the temptation of we're poor when it comes with the stream of poor, the stream of wealth. I battle with it. Then I battle when I taste the wealth and I was like, ooh, praise God, I can do whatever. I, can. I battle with the temptation that comes with them. But I'm always reminded that my mission, our mission on earth as ambassadors is the ministry of reconciliation with the message of reconciliation, which is the gospel. And we steward wisely our wealth to support these ministries. How can we be generous stewards or just stewards who are wise with our wealth for the sake of producing worshipers? I want to conclude with this. As we think about stewarding and I wealth wisely, all we pretty much saying that Jesus is saying is be willing to give up everything you have for the sake of people coming to know him, for the sake of gospel transformation, for the sake of discipleship, for the sake of the advancement of the kingdom, be willing to give up. Why? One God gave up. Our Father Yahweh in Heaven knows what it's like to give up something that He possessed that was a blessing to Him. He said God so loved the world He gave His only Son, His precious Son, never disobedient, perfect, beautiful. He gave up something He had for us. But not only do God know what it's like to give up something, Jesus Yeshua, our Savior, our Lord and our King knows what it's like to give up something to benefit others. God gave up his son, Yahweh gave up his son, the Father, our Heavenly Father, gave up his son, Jesus, to benefit us, to save us, to redeem us, to make us righteous in his eyesight, but Jesus gave up his life. In Philippians 2, 5, 11, it said you must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. Though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. And he took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being when he appeared in human form. Jesus gave up his privileges, his divine privileges, so he could be on a level as you and so he could become like you. To die for you Galatians 2:20 says, "I've been crucified with Christ," Paul said. "So it's no longer I that live, but Christ who lives in me in the life which I now live, in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave up himself. So not only did Jesus give up divine privileges, but he gave up himself for us. And then 1 Timothy 2, 1 through 6 says, First of all, then I urge that petitions, prayers, intercessions, and thanksgiving be made for everyone, for kings, and for all of those who are in authority, so that we may lead a tranquil and quiet life in all godliness and dignity. This is good, and it pleases God our Savior, who wants everyone to be saved. He wants everyone to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. For there is one God and one mediator between God and mankind, the man Jesus Christ, who gave himself for ransom for all. A testimony at the proper time. Jesus Christ gave up privilege and most importantly, he gave up his very own life for the benefit of us. This is a great example, a perfect example Of good stewardship. Jesus the Christ, Yahshua Hamashiach, also was a very source of wealth for us. He gave up wealth so we could have spiritual wealth. For he is rich in mercy, he is rich in grace, he is rich in love. Matter of fact, in him we have a great inheritance. When he comes back and and burn up everything, the heavens and the earth and everything be done with, he said, you're gonna inherit the earth with me. We have a great inheritance. We have eternal life. Think about the wealth we have, believers. We have eternal life. If we repented and put our faith in Jesus Christ, now we can live eternally and forever with him. So we don't die when we leave it, we transition to embrace and experience the wealth waiting us. Awaiting us. And it's greater than his rose made with gold as we await him. Hallelujah. In him we have a priceless salvation. In him we have a priceless redemption. In him we have a priceless relationship with the almighty creator of all things. In him we have a kingdom that we are citizens of. That is a kingdom greater than all kingdoms of the earth. You can look at Russia, China, whoever you think have a dope kingdom. His kingdom is greater than that. Why? Because it's unshakable. It's eternal. It can't be touched. The king remains on the throne. Nobody can take him off. That's the kingdom. That's our wealth. Amen. That's believers. If you're not a believer, you can have that wealth if you give your life to the Lord today and repent and follow Him with faith. Out of worship, we give up our wealth and we wisely steward our wealth for the benefit of others. Steward your wealth wisely to produce worshipers in you and in others. Everything you have is not yours. You gave up your rights, you gave up the deed. He, matter of fact, he bought your deed. You bankrupt your life. You went, your life went into foreclosure. But then Jesus came on the cross. He said, give me that. Give me that. Give me him. Give me her. Give me that. Can you afford it? I'm Jesus. Don't. Give me him. Give me her. Your life was foreclosed because of sin. But because of Jesus, he redeemed you back and himself. Most importantly, our wealth is Jesus. He's a priceless, beautiful, loving Savior. And we're not going to be perfect at making sure we steward our wealth in a way that brings him glory. We're going to fall short of it. Because life sometimes get rough and out of fear we make decisions. I've done it. Out of just being excited. Just being excited we got money sometimes. I've done it. You know, like, hey, man, I, I think I deserve this. Sometimes we do that. But then try your best and allow the Holy Spirit to empower you and give you the grace to think about others. Who better to fund the ministry of reconciliation with the message of reconciliation, which is the gospel and advancement of the kingdom, than the people of God who are part of that very kingdom. It's like my wife put out a GoFundMe to make sure our bills get paid, and I don't put no money towards it. Like our bills get paid, I'm out here buying shoes or something, and she's just like, okay, but I got a GoFundMe. You ain't putting out an ounce like... But I pray for us that we be faithful stewards, wise stewards. And if you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior this morning, there's a wealth that you can participate in, starting with a priceless salvation. What goes into a priceless relationship with a mighty, powerful God and a loving King who will give you His priceless Holy Spirit that is holy and more valuable than anything. If you were able to buy the Spirit of God, you probably would would try to do it. If you understood how powerful a Spirit is, how it changes you, how it empowers you, how it informs you. It was people in scripture that would come against the apostles and say, How do you do that? Hey, can I what I gotta pay to get? I want that power. He said, I can't give you that power. I can't give you it. it's no, it's no, I can't give you that power. I can't give you it. this prayer. That one day you receive Jesus and then you get the power. But the power is free. I don't give it, I don't. But the spirit that God wants to give you when you give your life to him is free. And it'll be your comforter. It'll transform you into his will and his ways. You can't do it yourself. So, unbeliever, if you're not following Jesus because you like you got a lot of baggage and you think you got to do work and when you come to him, you gotta keep doing all these works to keep him. No. His gift is free. He said, otherwise it wouldn't be a gift. If grace was something you work for, it wouldn't be a gift. If a promise was something you work for, it wouldn't be a promise. So I encourage you. I'll be here afterward. You give your life to Jesus this morning and you believers who are already follow him, please just pray and ask God. As the worship team, come up, pray and ask God. Like, where in my life am I not using my wealth, my money, my time, my treasures, my talent, my possessions, my household, my cars, my, uh, my jobs, my power, my privilege, my position. For the sake of seeing people be transformed by the gospel. And people being discipled and the kingdom of God being advanced. For one day, we're going to stand before him. And I'm sure all y'all want him to say, well done. Good and what? Faithful servant. And that faithfulness comes through your surrendering to the Holy Spirit. Because one of the fruit of the Holy Spirit is faith. I got to go. I got to tell you this. Think about it. You said, God, I want peace in my life. Peace is a fruit of the Holy Spirit. Yeah, yeah. God, I want love in my life. Love is a fruit of the Holy Spirit. Yeah. I need faith. I can't follow you. I need faith to follow you. Faith is a... Gr- do you not see how I got the wealth that you have as a believer? That you don't have to do anything but Repent. And believe and he'll step in and do the rest he said I'll transform you I'll transform you you won't have no peace trust me I'll give you peace it comes by my spirit just allow the Holy Spirit to consume you just let him do his work get out of his way don't quench him you have love joy peace you want joys? it's already in the Holy Spirit so if you're a believer joy is in you you're allowing the devil to distract you from allowing you to surrender to the holy spirit so joy may rise up in you by the holy spirit no other religion has that i've checked it's wealth in this kingdom and i'm not talking about money i'm talking about spiritual blessings for he said to every believer he said you have spiritual blessings in jesus christ but we, we have to make a choice and continue to make a choice every day. Can we deal with a broken flesh? Who am I serving? God of this wealth. This world of God, who I'm impressing, God of this world. Who I want likes from, God of this world. But most importantly, do I love my neighbors as I love myself? To see them, to give everything I have, to see them come to know Jesus. Let's pray. Father God, I thank you for this time.